0: you've probably heard the expression, you get what you pay for. What about understanding what you're paying for? If you've ever wondered how people search services work, how data breach brokers work, I think you're gonna enjoy this episode. Let's jump in. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Breadcrumbs. today. We are joined by our first ever returning guest, of Temming. Rulef, how's it going?
1: It's it's going well, Tom. Thanks for um, inviting me back on. It's uh, it's always is always nice speaking to you, and um, it's quite an honor to be back on the show.
0: Well, thank you. I just I'm always happy when people respond to my emails. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more returning guests in the future. But you're certainly the first. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation being, honestly, a continuation of our previous conversation. On your last episode, we talked about Multigo, we talked about uh, Vortimo, um, just a really great tool discussion, um, and got some really cool history and insight into where those tools came from. One thing we didn't have time to get into was the discussion of free OSINT resources versus paid OSINT resources. So in the context of a TraceLab CTF, you know, we really emphasize the no paywall. It has to be accessible by essentially anybody, you know, as far as the submissions go. But that's not necessarily how things work in the real world. Um, Out in real world investigations, um, if you have enough money, you can pay for some pretty interesting intelligence services or APIs. I was hoping to get your take on that side of the business and maybe bounce a few questions off, you.
1: I remember in the days of of uh, of multigo, we you know we had a lot of providers, and these days there's there's like a ton of providers that they have um, on the on the transform hub. Um and so we we you know back in the days when we started it, we dealt with a, a few of them. I have a little bit of insight in, in, in some of the providers. Um, and, I, and I think today, and also specifically for, for your audience, I wanna talk about the, the people side of things like, the, let's say the people investigation side of things and not necessarily the, uh, you know, the, the OS in part that deals with infrastructure so much. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of providers in that space as well. And you know, that bleeds into like malware research and signatures and all all sorts of things and uh, infrastructure, uh, kind of uh, intelligence in terms of uh, historical dns and things like this. But this is not something I want to talk about today. I want to kind of more look into the um, into the people side of things.
0: So when it comes to like people search services or, services that give you like access to data dumps like where does that information come from how does all that work
1: to be honest I didn't really know what it was that that if I if you know if I sign up for something like dehashed or people or, or leak check or one of those kind of providers I don't really know how it worked and how how that data uh, was obtained and and I think I just want to go one step back and kind of quickly just Go through how that stuff works, because because even you know me being in this game, I didn't really know how it worked, um, and and I had to explain it a couple of times for people like my family, and so I, I, maybe I'm I'm just going to quickly explain how it works. So, in in a lot of those models, um, they look on on data that was uh, leaked or or, or dumped. I, I call it leaky dumpy data, right? um and 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 think about it this way like so so let's say you're very um uh, uh, aware of not sharing your details um but you do buy flowers and so you sign up to flowers.com or whatever flowers123 it doesn't matter what way and and they say uh, you got to put in your email address you put in your email address you put in your telephone number you know and your address and uh you write a little card for whoever you want to send flowers to um or you know you 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 buy movies online it doesn't matter what you do right but you register with this site on the site with your name and 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 a lot of these sites ask you to choose an alias and things like this and and all, all while you're doing this you're very aware of like you don't put you know your telephone number in uh you don't put your telephone number in your cv that you put online you don't put it in your contact details on linkedin or facebook you know you don't use the same alias and all of that it's all good but one day this site you know flowers.com or whatever it is gets hacked um and that data is then put on the internet um maybe it's sold maybe it's you know maybe it gets sold a couple of times around um it gets sold on the darknet Gets sold wherever that's not the point but eventually that stuff ends up in a, on, a, on a public torrent file or it ends up basically in, in the public domain. Um, and so now one of these providers, they get that dump and they index the dump and it, and it goes into this big pot of data, right? Um, and, and later on, I'll, I'll, I will talk about what happens to that part of data. But the bottom line is at some stage, I put in your name, m- me as the as the person that's using the service, I put in your name, they go through the data that they now indexed, that's this dump of data and your name shows up there um, and they return your name um, and your email address and, and the alias and I don't know, may- maybe even you know the flowers that you ordered and that's how those that's how those people obtain that data. So what's cool about it from an investigator side of things is that even though you are very vigilant in protecting your online um, exposure you know and you're very vigilant in, in protecting what is uh, uh, you know available what data is available about you on the internet you can't help it that flowers.com got hacked and and so, and so I'm still getting your telephone number and your email address based on your name because these people got hacked. So the people that are actually to blame for this would, well, I mean, and this is an interesting question. Uh, who's, who's, you know, is it okay if um, one of these dumps that are now on the, in the public domain, if it gets indexed and that, that data is now integrated with a whole lot of other pieces of data and sold, uh, I, I don't know. For me, for me, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question to ask, right? Um, as soon as there is a situation where people pay money to get data that wasn't necessarily, you know, um, public at some stage, there is the incentive for these aggregators to try to get as much of that data as possible because they are competing with each other, right? And so if they're competing with each other, they want to say, we've got you know 14 billion data points in our database versus the 2 billion data points in the competition's database. And so there's an incentive for them to say, it would be good to obtain more data. And, and for me, it's a slippery slope that I think the companies navigate some better than others, um, some more transparent than others. Um, but it is a, but for me, that's a kind of a, 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 interesting. It's an interesting kind of ethical kind of dilemma if it's okay to sell the data or if it's okay to pay for that kind of data. Right. I mean, you know, that if we, if we, uh, when we play in, in the CTF, um, you know, a service like dhashed is 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 really valuable. And and I've been in the past saying those are those are really good sources for, for information, especially if you want to pivot from, let's say, alias to an email address or email address back to an alias or something like this. And um and it's then difficult to say to, to, to tell people, you know, you shouldn't use it because it's not ethical. And maybe it's, and maybe it's, it's okay because maybe that data is completely public.
0: That makes sense. And I guess in the spirit of open source intelligence, this is all information that we could be collecting on our own. It sounds like we're just paying them to do a lot of the collection and organization for us, but. What are we actually getting out of some of these paid services? Like you get what you pay for, but what are we paying for? And what are we actually getting?
1: If you look into, in terms of the return on investment on these things, right? I always say you pay for two things, you know, you, you pay for two reasons. You pay when there's things that you don't want to do that you want other people to do for you and you pay when you can't do certain things, right? So for instance, if I have to clean the car, I can clean the car, but I might not want to do it. So I pay a certain amount of money for someone else to clean my car if I'm being lazy, right? Um, But if I need eye surgery, uh, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh man, I just don't feel like eye surgery today. Uh, Let me pay someone else to do it. No, I can't do eye surgery, so I'm going to pay someone else. And 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 if you pay for something that you can't do, you know, you start paying a lot more. Now, can you, can you build up your own kind of uh, leak, dump data store? Yes, you can do it, right? And, and in a bit, I'll tell you all the challenges that there are with, with building up a store like that, right? But you can do it. You need to be handy with like databases and programming and a lot of different things, but you can do it yourself. My feeling is if you, if you do all of that work, and if your head is in the game enough, so that you look for enough of those kind of dumps, you're going to end up with a business that you're going to end up saying, "Well, actually, I can sell access to this," and you're going to end up being one of those providers, right? You're going to be, you're going to end up being in that game anyhow, right? Um, so I think it falls into the category of you can do it if you if you really wanted to do it. Um, it depends on obviously on your skill, but on the other hand, you also need to le- look at how much effort that's going to be. So in many cases, if you're if the effort that it takes to do something, right? It, it, you know, if you, for instance, if you earn twenty dollars an hour and and you save two hours a day using you know the service or tool or something like this, and it costs you less than twenty dollars to use that service, well then it's totally worth it because you can make more money on your time that it takes you to build that service yourself. So you so there's always that kind of a, you know, kind of how much is your time worth versus how long is it going to take you to do this kind of trade-off um, that you got to look at. There's obviously other reasons why you would want to do it yourself as well. Um, if you look at privacy, for instance, you know, I, I didn't say this, but I think the commercial model of these guys um, are, are pretty interesting. There's there's obviously selling access to kind of anonymous data. So that the, you know, they could be like, well, you you see, you see part of this data. You can you can see that we have an email address or we have a Twitter profile connected to this email address, but we don't necessarily know whose it is. Um, with a lot of these guys, they would say they do that specifically for passwords, right? They would say, Well, you can't see the password. That was used for for this account. That is in this dump now, right? So we're just going to show you that they, that this record exists within this dump, not what the password is. But some of them totally give you access to the passwords as well. You can see what the password was. They don't they don't care. It's that's that's the thing. And and they would even give you the hash if you want to try and crack it yourself, right? I mean, you know this, right? They would they would just be like, "There's the hash." Uh, you know, knock yourself out if you want to crack it. Um, but they would also, but but they are, like I said, there are different levels of this. There's anonymous data. There's there there is then access to, for instance, clean aggregated data as well. Which means not only are we going to show you um, that the, the the we we not only going to sh- we show you that all of the the hashes and the dumps and this, but we're going to kind of see um, if we can. If we can build a map up of this person across all of the data sources that we have, there's also where they sell access to the raw data. Um, you might even sell it off once off, but other guys do things like they say, um, you know, put in your email address and uh, or the email addresses that you want to monitor, and as soon as that email address or alias or whatever it is appears in our database, we'll let you know. So. And you know, if you have a long-term kind of uh, 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 investigation going, those things are th- those things are interesting. And then they also sell it in in either single lookups or or even in bulk, right? Um, so that you could be like, oh, you know, I have let's say I have all of these email addresses that's part of my sales contacts, and I want to enrich that data to put names to it because you know I picked up these email addresses on. You know, who knows where, uh, then you can, you can chip off like a thousand email addresses and you get all of this nicely, uh, kind of like, uh, enriched data coming back.
0: That all sounds like a pretty sweet deal. I'm guessing this is the part where you tell me there's a downside.
1: The reason why we started talking about the commercial models of these providers is that one of the reasons for, for rolling your own would be Privacy, right? So when I mean privacy, I mean for the people that's doing the lookups. So if I'm if I'm a um, if 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 I am, let's say, the biggest provider of this leaky slash dumpy data, um, then 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 you can imagine that the lookups that's coming to me is pretty interesting because it means that I can see what other people are. Investigating, right? And so, I always worry. And I mean, there's no grounds for me to say this, but I always worry that that they sell access to the lookups. I mean, why would they not sell access to the lookups? That's that's just the derivative of the service that they provide. You know, so sell the lookups and and say, hey, maybe I want to know if someone looks me up on dehashed. <laughs> You see what I'm saying, um, and and so when you do the lookup on one of these services, you must just be aware that you know that lookup is being stored, and 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 um, whoever has access to those things can see what you're looking up, and they can start building up a profile of what you're doing. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't use it. I think, I think it depends. I think it depends on the profile, right? If, if the investigation that you're doing is like like super sensitive, then maybe if you're doing that kind of sensitive investigations, you need to have looked to see if you can have that capability to do things like that in-house. It's not an easy thing to do. If, we, if you wanna understand how, how, what a challenge it is to do those things, um, you need to kind of understand where the data comes from. While we said it comes from the dumps and the leaks, you know. And that's, and that's fine. But it comes from other places as well, right? It might come from scraping. So, and in scraping, people do scraping either in real time or they do it in bulk, right? And so, so scraping in real time might be a thing that says, um, I know some of the providers did that in the past where, where, where within Multigo, when you look up a, when you say, okay, I've got this email address and I wanna resolve it to um, a Facebook profile, for instance, they would go at the back and scrape that data back in the days when you could still, you know, email address to profile was still a thing. You could look it up. Now, obviously you can't, but, but then you could. Um, you know, they would have, a, you know, Selenium browser or something like this at the back that then logs in with the profile, uh, run the query, get the, get the result back, and in real time give you, you know, what that thing, uh, what that email address if that email address was found on Facebook or whatever. So that's what I mean with like real time, real time scraping, right? Um, and so you, you could scrape in real time, but you can scrape in bulk. These, these days, uh, most people don't want to scrape in real time because it's, it's kind of, you know, if it breaks, then it breaks immediately. So what they do is they kind of cache the stuff. So they would scrape it, you know, put it in a cache. And then when you look it up again, it comes out of the cache. And, and at the back have like things that would scrape, uh, you know, that would scrape uh, in bulk and keep on and trying to get that information off those sites um, as much as they can. And of course the providers, there's always, I think we talked about it last time where there's always like this trade-off between, you know, what the providers are willing to tolerate in terms of scrapers and the social networks, what, they, what they're what they willing to tolerate and where they kind of draw the line And and there's like, Man, I can tell you a lot of stories about what they do to keep, you know, people from from scraping, um, but 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 it still happens. And so we're talking bolt scraping and, and real time scraping, but that's another way where where they get their data from. Um, the 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 other way that they get it is via API calls to other services. And you know, so they would use the API, and basically what they're then doing is they are repackaging the data that they get from an API, it's back to you. So, you know, you call the API, they call another API, or they might call a couple of APIs for other providers. They get the data, they they rebrand the data, they repackage the data, and then they move it back to you. Right. And and then the third and then the fourth way that they get the data, um, you know, would be from 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 sites that are kind of like I call them government-ish public data. Now, so there's a lot of sites, especially in the US, where um, a lot of the data that that's. Uh, well, I don't know why you guys do this, but like I, and I, but it, it's there. Like all of the data is public. You know, you buy a house, that, <laughs> that data sits in a database somewhere, and anyone can see it. Um, in a lot of the states, you know, that stuff is public, and so they they just basically hoover up all of that data. Um, and then that's another that's another kind of a, a source of where the data comes from.
0: If rolling your own breach database were easy, everyone would be doing it. Why aren't they?
1: But now what you need to understand is like, once you have all of this stuff, and, and just in terms of the leaks, we're talking about like a ton of data, right? That's like a, a lot of data. Like there's leaks every day, and those things are like terabytes worth of data. And then we're not talking about scraping and we're not talking about the government stuff and you know none of these things so so as a start um you basically just uh sitting with like data wrangling issues right you, you're basically sitting with just oh i need to understand big data i i, I need to have a, a database i need to have a database guy for this you know that can operate on scale and and, and that is fast enough so that when, you know, someone runs a query against that, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take like four minutes to give the result. And just think about that. That's, that on its own is 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 like a, a huge thing. Like it's not, we're not talking about a little bit of data. That's a ton, right? Um, and now we haven't started working on things like the hygiene that you get from the dumps because the, the, the data hygiene from there, you know, if you want to put it into a database um, and it comes from a dump, it doesn't mean that it is necessarily in the right format that you can put it in the database. So, they, so it needs to be cleaned and it needs to be reformatted. And, and that is like a ton of processing power that's needed just to get it to a point where you can in, ingress it into your database, Right. So, so it's, a, it's a lot of processing. And we're not talking about processing what happens when queries are made. We're talking about cleaning the data and processing the data and getting it into the, into the database. But I think the biggest problem, the biggest challenges for, for these guys is what we say matching and merging. Now, so you have John Smith. And how many John Smith do you think there are in this data? Like there's thousands of them, right? And and how do I know that this John Smith and that John Smith is the same person, you know? Because if I want to start doing kind of profiling and I want to be able to provide a service where, you know, I give you all of the information for a a specific um, uh, person, I need to make sure that that, that I'm not, that I'm not basically uh, taking data from another John Smith and adding it to this John Smith, right? And, and, and when you use these services, and I've used a lot of these services, right, then you can actually see how they get that stuff wrong. You know, um, I have a friend, Tian van Aert, which is, I mean, in South Africa, fairly, I would say the combination of the names, name and surname is fairly unique. It's not super unique, but it's fairly unique, right? And whenever I run this query on him, he gets the, the his, his employment details are always from another Tianfu art, which is like another guy, they weirdly enough in the same kind of industry, but you know they, he gets he's now at the University of the Free State and whatever, which is like wrong. It's just wrong, but that but because that's the matching and merging that went wrong, um, and they basically took the 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 education details from the one and just patched it into the other one because they share the same name and they and maybe they're from the same. Um, industry and they speak the same language and they're from the same country. You know, so so that's really, really tough to do. And a lot of the providers, basically, they just don't do it. They just go, well, we'll just give you, you know, access to the raw data. So remember in the commercial model, I was talking about like, oh, there's, there's different levels of which you can try to clean this stuff. Um, you, you know that like, I think Intel X, for instance, they just basically give you the dump. So they're just like, you know what, you can run a query across all of the dumps really quickly, but we're not trying to go and make sense of what you see. We're not trying to pick the stuff apart and put it back together. While a provider like people, PIPL, I don't know what you guys call it, PIPL people. I don't know, they someone, some people call them people. It's really interesting, but <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it. But anyhow, I mean they try to basically put all of that data together, you know. And you can kind of see that they get it right many times, but sometimes it goes wrong. And it's kind of really difficult to know when it goes wrong. I mean, how do you know, if I didn't know van Art from South Africa, how would I know that, you know, that it got mixed up with the data from another guy? Um, and so I think those things, um, that's really difficult. The last, the last thing that I think is, 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 is like a challenge for them is they just need to keep up with all of these dumps and the integration with and the integration with like the data that they have because you know tomorrow hey there's another 25 gigs of you know sql dump that comes in now they've got to run this you know they've got to run it through their cleaners through the the hygiene they've got to do the conversion then they're going to do matching and obviously the the further you go down the game the longer it takes, because the more data it needs to match and merge with, right? So, when people, a, a lot of people that I spoke to said to me, "Yeah, they're just—I mean, they're not going to pay for dump data because you know what? They could just do it themselves." And I go, "Dude, you—you you have not done this right. You—you you have not done this properly because this is not something that you do in an afternoon. This is—if you want to do this thing right." It's a business on its own. It's a lot of work. And I almost feel like, you know, um, I'm, I'm happy to pay these guys for this because I, what you get is actually amazing, come to think of it, um, based on just the amount of work that they need to do, you know, in order to get it to, to, to you.
0: All right, you sold me. I have neither the skill nor the time to do any of this myself but what is this actually going to cost me
1: i have I had a very interesting conversation with with someone um on on the pricing so so we when we build um skylight uh, or we call internally call it skylight but that's that osintool.com um there's a whole lot of providers that you put your api key in there and you know and you and then you press the button, and you know it goes off to the API, um, and 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 you and you get the results. Um, and what's nice about the way that we structure um, osintool.com is that you know you can you can highlight a few of these providers, you know, put an email address or an alias or something in there, and hit the button, you know, and, and let it run across all of those different API calls at the same time, and you get kind of those results coming back. But, but in the process of building it, um, we, you know, we, like I wanted to use one of, I'm not going to mention names, but one of the providers, I struggled to get API documentation on that. I struggled to get the documentation for the API. Um, and so I signed up for the, for the API uh, and then there was a sales guy that phoned me, which is really like, I don't like that at all. Like, it's not my vibes, but okay. So the sales guy phoned me and I'm like, and he he says, you know, how much, how many queries are you going to run? Oh, blah, blah, all of that. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm not going to run a lot of queries because I'm building this tool where people can, you know, run queries against the API. So I'm not going to be your end client. I'm basically going to enable people to be your end client. And, And then this dude was like, oh, but... This is like you know, he needs to he needs to go speak to people, and I'm like, well, can I just get the API docs? And eventually, I, I got the API docs, and we you know, and we build the thing. And literally, I mean, it takes it's like I don't know, it's maybe a day that it takes to implement that to implement that API call within OSINTool.com, so that it's there because you know we got a lot of them. I think there's now. Oh, there's a there's a, there's a whole bunch of them, right? That we work with, and so we got the we kind of got the thing down, and we got it. In. I think the next day I was done with it, and you know we could we could uh, uh, put in telephone numbers and aliases and email addresses, and then it would come back, and it worked really great. And so I used this um, API key that they gave me to uh, to test with, and I put it in, and you know, and I'm like, okay, we're done. You know, move on to the next one. And the next one was like dehashed, or like, I don't know, Intel X or something like this. Um, and so then I, get this, then I get this email that, oh, there's now, uh, there's a meeting that, you know, where they want to talk about the API, da, 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 da. like, okay. And so I attend the meeting and it's with these guys and it's with the, it's now with, it's not with a sales guy. It's now with one of the people that, that's, I wouldn't say owners, but it's someone that's clearly a lot higher up in this in this organization um and he says so what is it that you so what is it that you want to do and i'm like well you know i explain how this thing works and it's like and he's like so you're going to sell so you're going to sell these api keys i'm like no well we're not selling API. i don't want to that's not my business that's kind of your business is selling api keys my business is selling software um and so i built the software where people put the API key in and then they can run queries to your service. But they can also run it, you know, across a whole lot of other services as well. That's kind of the point, right? And he's like, yeah, but he, he, he's like, but how? But, but he said, but he doesn't know if this is something that they want. I'm, I'm like, but you have an API. So you have an API endpoint. So if someone has an API key, then clearly, You know they can that's what api is then he they can run the data to the and then they get the results it's that's your business model this is not my business model this is your business model
0: right at that point and he's like um, oh (laughs) i think at that point you you should you should have asked them do you know what api stands for (laughs) just just to kind of level set (laughs) do you know how apis work (laughs) Tom, no, they totally
1: understand how APIs work. The guy that I was speaking to, a uh, sharp person, you, you exactly aware of how it works, right? And it took me quite a bit of like backpedaling and understanding where they came from. And there, where they came from, is they said, we we want, we would prefer 20 clients that pay us 1000 dollars and not. A thousand clients that pay us $20. Right. And so, what you're doing with this tool is you enabling people. And are you going to like, we're going to get a lot of signups for people that go because at the time, sorry, at the time, they had a thing that says, well, you can sign up. It costs you not that much money. Right. And then you pay per lookup. And the pay per lookup thing was kind of pricey. They had three different ways you can look up. And the, you know, the most the most expensive one was like, I think 70 cents us. And then there's like a base cost of let's say, and well, there's a base cost of, let's say $20. Right. And I'm like, I'm loving that because when I use this thing, you know, I do, uh, I might do 20 lookups when I'm, when I'm busy with the investigation, but then for, you know, uh, three weeks, I don't look up anything. And then I look up another twenty, and then and, you know, at the end of the day, I get my bill, and it's like you know, for it's twenty eight, it's forty eight dollars, and I'm I'm totally okay with paying that. But they don't want people to be enabled in a way to use a tool where, you know, exactly in that way. They want the guy that says, okay, well, we we're gonna charge, a, we're gonna charge like a thousand dollars a month, um, and you know what? If you if you if you don't make up your quota. of, thousand dollars worth of lookups that's not our problem and of course they want that because it's I mean it's less overhead for them it's less admin it's less support for them like everybody wants that everybody loves to have a few really high paying customers and so 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 then they actually <laughs> it's it's really sad but then they change their pricing right they, I said to them if my my, my thing to them was like Dude, if you don't want people to use the API, then you shouldn't, then you should price it differently. And price it differently because at the moment you can't keep me from having an implementation of your API. Or, or having, a, having something that that uses your API, like I have software that 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 uses your API. You can't keep me from doing that. You gotta change your business model. And sure, sure, they did change the business model And a couple of months later. Uh, they cut off all of the small guys, and now, and now the minimum spend is, you know, more than what is uh, comfortable for me as a, you know, as 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 a single person that you you know doing investigations. Maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe one once or twice in three months, right? Um, and so I think the pricing for that stuff has changed a lot to price a lot of people out of the market, right? Now, um, at the time I went onto to the, the Trace Labs Discord channel and I said, well, I mean, there's a way we can work around this, obviously. And the way to work around this is to pull. So well, I actually, I, I like to use the service and maybe if like I can get 10 more people to work with me, well, then we can afford it, right? And we can we can easily buy access to that thing and you can use it as you see fit. But it, it gets sticky because, there are, you know, they keep track of what lookups you do and that lookups are in the interface. And so I don't want, you know, whoever is in the pool with me to see what lookups are being done. Um, and I understand that, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's even against the terms of service that you can pull, uh, you know, on one single API. Or maybe they, you know, they check if the API has been used in a certain amount of time from different IP numbers, and then you know they they mark it as being compromised or whatever. I don't know if that happens, but you know I think there's a fair chance that that might happen. Um, and so that doesn't really work. And and so I think a lot of these kind of aggregators kind of grew up in the in the last couple of. Uh, in the last couple of months, really, in the last couple of years, maybe years, month, to be a lot more um, looking out for, looking for bigger companies and bigger organizations, um, and and trying to kind of control who's using their data and in you know and what and which way. Which for me, obviously, I mean, it's just a pain in the ass to be honest. I'm like, when someone shouldn't tell me. You know, I've got an API, and 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 you can't you can't have when we still have that interface to that API now. Um, it's still there, um, and you know they never said anything about it. Like you, I mean, they can't really tell us not to have it, right? It's my feeling.
0: Wow, this has been a lot, but I think I've got a much better understanding of where these people search companies or these. know data dump search companies are getting their information from it could be from actual data dumps that are made public it could be web scraping um is there anything else i mean have we missed anything
1: so so tom the last thing i want to quickly just tell you is we've talked about the whole leaky kind of dumpy data model there's another model as well and that's kind of like you know, the true caller and sync me kind of model where you basically give them stuff and they give you a service back. So, in, in true caller, for instance, and true caller works great. Like, you know, you, you get this amazing spam control, right? Uh, when people phone you, you can see it's coming from a number that's, and so um, that, that's, you know, spam or telesales or something like this. But, but what you give them is you upload your phone book to their, to their service. Um, and, and I don't know if people always know this, but but that gives them the ability to build this really cool, massive graph of connected numbers. You know, it's this, it's this graph of knowing because like, this, this person is in the other person's phone book, and and it and it gives you also the ability, like gives us the ability to look that subject info up on all the indexed phone books that, that ever existed. And it's all, you know, that's part of this, that's part of the service. And that's really nice because sometimes, you know, you get some very interesting names that are associated with telephone numbers. I've had a situation where, you know, I looked up a number and it said, you know, um, Samantha avoid, (laughs) which you know clearly someone tries to avoid Samantha. Um, so, so they save them as Samantha Void in their telephone book. And then when you do the lookup and you know, that's how it comes back, but there's obviously a price to pay for that, uh, for that service. And that is that you got to upload your telephone book. And so, you know, the more people they get to play with in the, the nicer it works, but also, you know, are you okay with that? It's, you know, it's something you you got to kind of consider.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm always glad I take notes during our conversations because there's just so much good stuff worth revisiting. Um, the first big point I'd like to call out for anyone in our community, any of our listeners, any investigators is that these paid services, in my opinion, are probably worth it. Um they are doing a lot of work for you it's all it's all open intelligence though like. they're they're not doing anything maybe you couldn't do, um, but they've already done the work. If you have the budget, you may as well pay them for the information. But what I'll say to that is, don't make that like the singular pivot point of your investigation. So you need to have some mechanism to verify what you're seeing. Like, don't just put my name into Spokio and think you have everything about me, some of it's going to be correct. Some of it's not. So you have to have other data points drawn in from either other paid services. But one thing I'll say is in my experience, a lot of the paid services are pulling the same data. So you might see incorrect information across all services, but, um, you know, go out on social media, go out on things, you know, go out, um, to other OSINT resources, like you need to find some some way to reinforce or validate the information that you're paying for, or that information should validate other information you already have. Like that shouldn't be your singular point of investigation. The other thing I I do wanna hit on that you've already called out is that these services are probably logging what you're up to. Um, If I ran a service, I would. That being said, we have no idea of knowing what's being done with those logs how long those logs are kept um i'll just throw a warning out there to any would-be bad actors if you pay for you know one of these people search sites and then you do something bad those records could be subpoenaed so just a hypothetical example you know i look up my ex-wife and then i do something terrible to my ex-wife. So part of that investigation and my inevitable criminal trial is going to be, Hey, looking at Tom's financial history, he paid for this service. Let's go see what he did with that service. Oh, Tom was looking up his ex-wife on this people search service. That's going to be a huge piece of evidence against me in the trial. So, um, just be aware that whenever you're on any service, whether it's people search, Facebook, Grubhub, like all of your activity is being logged. So please be aware of that. Um, You brought up an interesting point about password dumps and like password dump data in general. Like at one point, that information was stolen, Um, but then it makes its way out into the public sphere um, and then. it's kind of regarded at that point as public information um, hashtag I'm not a lawyer but um, it's a it's a really interesting kind of ethical dilemma like so if you're if you're paying for dump data in a roundabout way you're paying for stolen data so it begs the question you know are are we the consumers or are, are, are we the customers incentivizing people to steal data um, I don't know it's it's a really weird conversation and definitely beyond the scope of this podcast i think um, but it's <laughs> something to think about um and the final thing i'll i'll like i'll hit on is you mentioned you know rolling your own database a lot of this information is out there um you know if you're if you're savvy enough you can find a lot of these dumps and begin to curate your own collection um that does come with a number of advantages that you hit on but also a lot of overhead you know now all of a sudden you've got a 10 terabyte drive full of dump data that might only contain one terabyte of actual you know clean unique data um but um it can be fun i mean that could be kind of a fun hobby it, it just if you're an archivist if you're a data hoarder um, that can just be an interesting and enjoyable activity for you um but i would encourage you you know, if you're hosting not hosting um you know if you are saving dump data do be aware that the information you just downloaded could be you know stolen property so to speak so hashtag not a lawyer but something to consider there as well
1: yeah yeah i think like i think those are all really good points um and i think um i think the the whole ethical debate is really interesting to me as well um and, you know, when you, when you're financing, uh, not financing, but like you said, you incentivizing the people to like the, uh, the question I think would be, what would be an interesting question is if any of the aggregators or like, you know, uh, those kind of services, if they ever paid for dumps, yeah,
0: that, that would be like, a I very that, interesting question. Yeah. I think that's kind of where the line sits.
1: I think if they paid for a dump, then I think they are incentivizing the the, the stealing thereof or you know dumping thereof. Um, so maybe that's where the line sits, Tom. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably a good litmus test. That you know, if if they just came across it, you know, through non-financial means, um, I'd I'd feel okay because because then you know, I'm just paying them to do the finding that I don't have the time or skill to exactly. do. Oh. Um, yeah. But if they were buying dump data and then I was paying them for that data, that's probably not something I would want to be a part of. Exactly. No, Yeah. no. I would encourage anyone having an hour long conversation with rule of to take notes. Uh, I did. And there were just so many great pieces of information, great, Points and just great food for thought in this conversation. Uh, Rulov, thank you again for hanging out with me for an hour or so. If people wanted to find you online to have one of these hour long conversations, where could they find you?
1: <laughs> uh, Tom, thanks, thanks for having me on, on the show again. Um, I hope it, well, it wasn't too ranty. Um, we are uh, at uh, Vortimo Tech uh, on Twitter most of the time, uh, website vortimo.com. Uh, the, a lot of the, the these uh, API calls uh, to to a lot of these providers can be made via the site uh, osint-tool.com. Uh, so if you want to go there, you can see how you can just put in your API key and you know and, and run queries to a lot of these services. I think it's a it's a pretty nice service uh, um, and. It's something that going forward, we want to invest some uh, more development time into. So that's something we're going to be pushing. Um, but yeah, what Tech on Twitter is the best play, place to, to get hold of us.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for hanging out with me. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Tom. This has been another episode of Breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at tracelabs.org, on Twitter, at Tracelabs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs.